You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. And as I was thinking about today and about what is going to be happening in this tub later on today, I was reminded of the words that God spoke to one of his prophets in the Old Testament. And it actually comes from the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. And this is what it actually talks about. And I feel like it's so applicable to where we're headed today. And this is how he starts off. And this is the conversation. And Ezekiel says, and remember, he's a prophet. The hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and sent me in the middle of a valley. And this was what the valley had in it. It was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very, very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Which is a very important question. And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And just to give us a little bit of context as to what was going on at this time in the history of Israel, they were in a bad, bad spot. They had no temple to worship God in. They had no land. They had no king. And recently, they had actually been conquered by a superpower. And so they were being oppressed and they lacked freedom. And so this was their situation and was not a good situation. And Ezekiel, who's the prophet at that time, he has this vision. And he looks out and he sees this valley that's full of dry bones. And what these dry bones symbolize is it symbolized the spiritual state of Israel at the time. And when he actually looks out, these bones are literally bone dry. And so this had been their state for a period of time. There was no flesh on them, no muscle on them, nothing. So this dryness and really this desert, spiritual desert, they had been in for a number of years. And so what God says to his people, what God says to Ezekiel is, is that can they live? Is there any hope for them? Is there any hope that my people can actually come back from this? And Ezekiel's response is, I don't know, right? You're God, shouldn't you know that? Which is a totally legitimate response. And then God says, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And then God says to him, and then he said to me, this is Ezekiel's words, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath. And that word breath is an important word. Enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. And so what God is saying to Ezekiel and what God is saying to his people is, is that I'm going to show you who I am by doing what only I can do. And that word for breath is this Hebrew word, ruach. And it basically means Holy Spirit. And so what he's saying is, into my people, I'm going to give them my spirit. And life is going to happen. Animation is going to happen. Extraordinary and beautiful things are going to happen. And then this is how he ends. And so Ezekiel says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath, come Holy Spirit from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as God commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. 
And so what we see is that these bones literally, they come back to life. They shake, rattle, and roll. And where there was absolutely no hope because they were lifeless and dead, breath happens. The Holy Spirit enters in and everything changes. And death becomes life. And that's really what we're celebrating today. We're celebrating life transformation because that's what God is in the business of doing. We're celebrating people whose stories is that they went from death to life, exactly what we see in Ezekiel 37, and that they were moving away from God and they had this extraordinary encounter and they said yes to following Jesus and the Holy Spirit entered into their lives and they are changed forever. And I had an opportunity to read a handful of stories and we're gonna hear a couple of their stories today, but I wish every single one of us had the opportunity to be able to hear what God has done in their lives because we would be absolutely blown away, but this is what God does. And I recognize it's not just these people, the 12 or so people that we're baptizing today, but I could probably say every single one of us here that God is doing something, has done something incredible in us and is doing something within us right now because this is what he does. He's in the business of transformation and that is what we are celebrating today. So uh, I'm gonna start us off. We've got a, got a neat group here. Um, uh, can I tell you one quick story before we jump in? Anybody want to hear a story? So this is this is actually for for my dear friend Paul Beams and his wife Jill. But uh, 35 years ago, in uh, it would have been uh, 1988. 88, yeah. I was going door to door all over Troy, all over Shelby and Macomb. And I was knocking on doors to invite people to come. And I knocked on 3,000 doors. I talked to about 2,000 people. And uh, some of you know this part of the story. Does anybody know how many people came as a result? Everybody know. Hold up the big goose egg. Zero. Not one single person. They were obviously people of good judgment. And uh, But something really, really painful happened in my life. And I was the youngest of, of five. Uh, all four of my siblings and their spouses lived in Tennessee. And when I get ready to launch, I asked my siblings for support. And they said no. And we have been a super, super close family. And they're like, no, we can't support you because you're a moron, basically. And we don't think it can work. We don't think God will use it. And it was really, really painful. And I struggled for a number of years. But then God did something, and you're actually part of that something. Every one of you who's here is part of this. I was, I was studying my Bible, and I was actually crying. It's many years ago now, in the first year of Kensington. And I, I came across this verse. Let me share it with you. This is Proverbs 27.10. Does anybody know it offhand? Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. That was God's answer for me. I read it and I weeped and I, and I felt like the Lord was saying, Steve, I have so many brothers and sisters nearby, neighbors now who are gonna be your brothers and sisters. And what's cool tonight is some of the folks getting baptized, I, 
I don't really know any of them well. But there's three of them I'm going to baptize that I've known them since the day they were born. I don't know them well. But in the first year of Kensington, God brought their dad, Paul Beams. Paul's right here. Just wave your hand, okay? And um, he, was a, he was a high school freshman punk at Troy High School. And he's been the neighbor nearby who's been a brother. He's one of, like, the unbelievable answers to prayer. Now, that was 33 years ago. And some of you God's brought this year. I just was talking to a friend over at the refreshments table. Today is the uh, the one-year anniversary of her coming to Kensington for the first time today. And so, in other words, God has been answering that all along the way. And there's another verse that God gave me during that time. This, so that one was Proverbs 27.10. This one is Proverbs 18.24. It said, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I got to tell you, that's not just about Jesus. That's about friends that have stayed as we stay together through thick and thin as we follow Jesus Christ. And so that is such a great, great joy for me. And uh, Paul and Jill, I did their wedding 22 years ago. And they've had an amazing ride full of ups and downs. Who else has had ups and downs in their life? Okay. You get all the highs, all the lows, the joy, the sorrow. You get all that along the way. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And then the last one that I want to say to you guys being baptized tonight. You know, Jesus was baptized. You might remember that story. He said when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form. Wouldn't you have liked to have seen that? Holy smokes. And there was a voice from heaven that said, You are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Here's the thought I want to just as we kick off. And by the way, I'm so thankful for Andrew Kim. I love his leadership and his humility, his love for Jesus, his love for people is so incredibly contagious. But as we talk about this tonight, here's the thing that I want to share with you guys. This is a question. It's a trick question. You don't need an answer, but I, I want you to remember the question. When, when God the Father saw Jesus being baptized, said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What had he done? What had he done? Do you know? Do you might know? What do we know that Jesus had done at that point? We don't know anything. He had, we don't know of a miracle or a healing or a, you know, or if he had washed the dishes without being asked from his mother. My point is this, when we come to baptism, it's not because of what we've done, it's because of what God has done on our behalf. And I wanna to say to you guys tonight, as, as God the Father looks at you, he sees Jesus and he says, these are my beloved sons and daughters with whom I'm well pleased. No matter how many mistakes you've made or will make, his love is everlasting and he invites us to that. Okay, awesome. Lord, I am so incredibly grateful, Lord, for this community. Thank you, God. And thank you for every single person, Lord, who said yes to taking the step today of being baptized, Lord. Some who are children, some who are students, Lord, some who are older in life, Lord. But wherever, Lord, we are on the journey, thank you, Lord, that we are not alone and that you are with us. 
And thank you, Lord, for every single one of us, God. You're doing something in us because that's who you are. Lord, that you transform, you create beauty wherever you are, and that you are also relentless in your pursuit of us, in your love for us. So thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate these 12 people, Lord. But I also pray, Lord, for the people who you're nudging today, Lord, that we would also have the courage to be able to say yes. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful, beautiful community. May we be that type of community, Lord, that truly leans into you, says yes to you, and allows you to do your work in us. And we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.